everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Here for the Crack with me, Emma Neil. I hope you're all doing well. I'll tell you one thing, doing dry January and having these sober weekends, it doesn't really provide you with a lot of stories. I don't have anything to update you on. The norm would be for me to jump on here and not be able to stop speaking for 20 minutes, giving you life updates. Your life does become like fairly boring, I think, when you don't drink. You don't have the amount of ridiculous stories to tell. And sometimes those stories, although they are bad, like they give you the fear, they, I don't know, they put, you know, you put yourself in bad situations sometimes. They are also just kind of part of the plot. (laughs) I'm not saying they're a good thing, but do you know what I mean? I don't know. I feel weird without them. But then at the same time, I feel very zen. I feel, I don't know. I just feel like I'm getting lots of stuff done. I feel like I'm being wholesome, spending time with people I want to spend time with and not spending time hungover. Do you know what though? I'm not even dying to have a drink. In fact, I have found it pretty breezy. However, this weekend will be the first Because basically up until now, there's been nothing I've actually actively had to opt out of or choose not to drink at. Because all I've really been... Like, nothing happens in January. Everyone's on the same buzz. So there's been no, like, events, birthdays, you know, anything like that that I've actually had to either say I'm not drinking at or else say I'm not going to because I'm not drinking at. And I think because of that, I find it really easy but this weekend will be the first time I'll be going to something and like opting out of drinking at it. Like we're going out for, because well, I go back to Leeds at the start of next week. Actually, when you're listening to this, I'll go back to Leeds then. Then my brother's girlfriend, Beth, she is going traveling for a couple months. So we're kind of having like a family dinner, going out and then going to the Ulster match. Usually that would be a big drinking night, going to one of the rugby games and then, you know, to a pub after and stuff. But I'm going to be good and I'm going to drive and I'm going to stick to this dry January thing just to prove to myself that I can do it. Because up until now, it's really just been like, I don't know, I've just been sitting in the house. If I have been going out, it's just been going out like with my parents or my grandparents for like early tea. And I've just been getting 0% beers. Like it's not situations where I would have wanted to be getting drunk in the first place. Will I find this weekend hard? I don't know. I don't think I will. Although I do think people will try and sway me and I don't know how I will react in that situation, but I'm going to try to stay strong. It's just so weird to me that this is the last weekend. Like, I don't even think then that, because then the following weekend I'll be in Leeds. Oh no, I won't. I was going to say the following weekend I'll be in Leeds and I won't even want to drink then, but I'm not. I'm going to London the weekend after. I literally get to Leeds Tuesday morning and then I'm staying for like a couple of classes and then I go into London on Thursday which is very exciting. I feel like I haven't been to London in so long. Probably hasn't even been that long, has it? I don't know, but I'm really excited to go. I feel like I haven't been there in ages. I get to finally meet my new management, which I'm really excited about. Because, you know, when you just feel like you know someone, like you've had that many calls and Zooms and everything with them, like I'm literally on WhatsApp to them every second of every day. And yet I still haven't met them face to face. So that'll be really nice get to see my sister, get to see my friends. Yeah, can't wait. I'm sure there will be drink involved then, seeing as that'll be the first weekend in February. But I will say I do really like what Dry January has taught me. I don't think I'd ever in my life ordered a 0% alcoholic beverage. 
You know, I'd never tried a 0% beer. I'd never tried a 0% wine, any of those things. So I think it's like really opened my eyes to the options and made me realize that sometimes when you do fancy one, you can just opt for that. Don't get me wrong. I don't think I will ever be someone that goes sober completely, you know, tries to stay away from alcohol because I don't have a huge issue with it or anything like that. But I do, I think I did just want to prove to myself, first of all, that I could do a month without it if I wanted to. And second of all, that, you know, you can, instead of having two or three drinks with your dinner, just because you're out at a restaurant, you can just choose to be a designated driver and just bring a non-alcoholic bottle of wine with you. Oh, that's only if you're going to bring your own. But you know what I mean? Like that option is there, whereas I don't think I really considered that option before. I guess when you're listening to this, it'll be the end of January. So if you've made it this far in dry January, congratulations. If you didn't bother, don't worry. I do think it's worth trying to do it for a month, any month of your choice. Just pick the month where there's the least on. <laughs> it's nice to give your body a break, give yourself to have a full month of being able to actually not just be productive because that's not what I'm getting at. Like, although yet yeah, does allow for you to be more productive because you don't spend time being hungover. You also are able to rest more. Like I've been sleeping like a baby, literally nine to 10 hours a night. It's been absolutely stunning. I also just think when you're not drinking, you don't crave as much bad foods. You know, you start eating a lot better, just developing better habits, I guess. So definitely worth trying if you fancy it. Okay, my recommendation of the week this week. I don't know if I've recommended this before. I keep a list on my phone of things I've recommended so I don't ever repeat myself. And this isn't in it, although I feel like I have talked about this a lot. My recommendation of this week is a Kindle. I am obsessed with my Kindle. I don't know what I did before I had a Kindle. No, I know there is something really nice about holding a physical book. There is something so nice about going into a bookshop browsing all the books, the smell of a new book. I know, like I love that as well. And every now and then I will go ahead and treat myself to a few physical books. And actually a lot of the kind of like, hev- not heavier books, what, what are they called? <laughs> Why has the name gone on in my head? Nonfiction, that's what I'm talking about. Anytime I buy nonfiction books, I do tend to get them as a physical copy because I like to be able to underline, highlight, mark little things in the pages with wee stickers, things like that. Although you can highlight, you can digitally highlight on a Kindle, it's just not quite the same. And I also, you know what I do really like? I do like having some fiction physical books so that I'm able to lend them to friends when I really like something. Like I like being that friend that has loads of books and can be like, oh, I recommend this, help take this on holiday with you. Such a nice thing to be able to do. It is my dream when I'm older. I've literally said this since I was like 12 years old. It's my dream to have like a library room in my house. I don't think it, like people listening to this will be like, you're crazy. I don't think it's actually too far-fetched, okay? Because I think I would have this instead of like a dining room or do you know the way some people have like two living rooms and shit? I would have one library room, right? No TV allowed, no computer allowed, like no devices are allowed in that room. It is a room completely dedicated. It's just like the reading nook, calming space of the house. Every wall is fitted with bookshelves from floor to ceiling, nice dark wood. 
and it's all just covered in books and you can go and take your pick and I'll have one of those things, you know, where you can reach up to the top to get the books down from the top or I'll have like a ladder even to climb up to the top and see all them up there. So yeah, I'm picturing like the dark wood bookshelves, maybe nice green velvet chairs and sofas with a really old kind of looking Moroccan-y mug. You can smell it as well. Can't you smell it as I'm describing it? The the smell of the new books and the the incense burning and the candles and the fire lit. Oh my God, it sounds like my heaven. How did we get here? Oh yeah, talking about how I do enjoy a physical book. However, my Kindle has really changed the game for me when it comes to reading. It just makes it so easy. It is obviously a lot smaller than a physical book and lighter. So it's just easier to carry around. You can stick it in your bag. You can bring it with you on public transport. Like it is so portable. And not that books aren't portable, but do you know what I mean? Like a book doesn't fit in like a small bag, whereas a Kindle does. It also just allows for like really how do I describe this? Times when you would not be likely to pull out a physical book. Let's say you literally have two minutes when you're standing in a queue. You're not going to like get out your physical book, get your page, all this. Whereas a Kindle is literally the easiest thing to do that because you can just hold it with one hand. Like I'm not joking you, it's made me read so much more. It makes reading in bed so easy because you don't feel like you're, you know the way with a book you have to like hold it with two hands, you feel like you're going to drop it on your head your arms end up getting sore from holding it up and also you need to keep a light on to read which always annoys me because I need to get up to turn the light off unless you have one of those little book lights whereas a kindle you can turn on the backlight for at night time and you can turn it down really dim and really warm so there's not too much blue light like activating your brain I'd say the thing it is best for is holidays and traveling the fact that you can just go away with just the one thing just your Kindle and have all your books downloaded. You don't even need all your books downloaded. Like you can download them as you go. I'll actually move on to another amazing thing about the actual downloading books process in a second. But yeah, it just makes your life so much easier on holiday, not having to take up so much space in your luggage for carrying like four or five books. You never lose your page. The glue doesn't melt in the sun. You don't have to wait for like... I don't know, say you're on holiday, you run out of books and you're like, oh, I need to go to the bookshop and I don't have time today, I'll go tomorrow. You literally finish one, click on to the next. It just makes reading a breeze. Oh, also it's got a built-in dictionary. So any words you don't understand, because I would always look up words I don't understand when I'm reading and I would write them in, I would underline it and write it in the book in pencil. But with the Kindle, you just tap the word and the definition comes up. It's genius. Okay, sorry, another incredible thing about the Kindle. You would think this is an ad for Kindle at this point. If Amazon want to pay me to talk about the Kindle, please be my guest because I will sit here and talk about it for 10 minutes. So you can add things. You can go on the Kindle store and you can add books to your reading list, which is what I will do a lot of the time when I get a recommendation. Usually, you know, if someone gives me a recommendation, like a friend when I'm out and about, or if I see one online on Instagram, on YouTube, whatever it is, I'll always note it down on my phone, on my to-read list. And then at some point I will go onto my Kindle and I will then add it to my actual Kindle wish list. And what that does then, so because you have an account and that those are registered on your wish list with your account, if any of them ever go on sale, you'll get an email to tell you. So I wait... I've never paid more than four pounds for a book on my Kindle because I just wait until they go on sale. 
and I get the email about it. I got one today for 99p, one that I'm going to be talking about actually. Yeah, so I just wait till they'll go on sale and I literally pay like £3 for every book. I mean, this it's obviously different if, you, if you've if you got had a book recommendation or you're in a book club and you need to read something straight away, you're obviously just going to have to pay the price that it is on the Kindle. But if you're like me where you just have a load of books on your to-read list and you're not fussy about what you're reading next do it like this where you add things to your list buy them as they go on sale and then it just means you've always got one downloaded to read after you're finished the one you're currently on because like sometimes I'll be adding things to my wish list and they're literally like 10 pounds to buy as a kindle book like I'm sorry that is a digital book I'm not getting anything apart from downloading some words on a screen you think I'm gonna pay 10 pounds for that 10 British pounds. Absolutely not. So yeah, that's my recommendation of the week. Could not recommend them enough. If you were on the fence about getting a Kindle, this is your sign to buy one. I mean, you don't have to get it straight away. Maybe wait till your birthday or treat yourself for your summer holidays or something like that. But yeah, honestly, we'll change the game for you when it comes to reading. Oh, and sorry, just to throw in there which Kindle I have, because I always get questions about which model it is. I think my sister bought it for me for my birthday last year, and I'm pretty sure it is... Sorry, I've got like a frog in my throat. This sounds terrible. Okay, I think that's better now. Um, I think it's the Paper White, is it called? Paper White? I don't know, don't get a Kindle Fire. Like, you don't need a fucking tablet to read on. A Kindle is suffice. I think they're only like around £130 mark. They definitely used to be way cheaper because I remember I got one years before that that ended up breaking and it was, I think, around the 80 mark. So they have gone up, but they are better now. They're touchscreens, so you can tap onto the next page. My previous one didn't have a backlight either. So I would have to like turn the light on at night to read, um, whereas you don't have to do that now, which is great. Okay, so after last week's episode where I did my first words of wisdom of the week, a couple of you messaged me saying, Bibs, just do words of the week. Just call it words of the week. So much easier. Not as much of a tongue twister. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't know why I didn't think of that myself. Words of the week. What what was going through my head? Words of wisdom of the week. There's too much going on there. So words of the week. I actually, I just saw this on an Instagram, like one of those little frog illustration Instagram pages. And it is, as long as I try, I'm probably doing way better than I think. I just thought that was so nice. It was really what I needed to hear. Like sometimes you're always trying and you don't feel like you're really getting anywhere. And then that can make you give up or think, what's the point? Or get into that perfectionist mindset where you think, you know, everything needs to be done to the best of your ability. But if you actually just take a step back and think, you know, as long as you're trying, you're making an effort and that's what counts. And it's probably going to come to a lot more than what you think it is. Okay, so this week's podcast topic, it's a bit of a weird one, but basically the other week I watched Stutz. If you haven't watched Stutz, it is Jonah Hill's film that he made about his therapist. It's essentially throughout the whole movie, it's literally just them two in front of a green screen that looks like a therapist's office and he Jonah Hill is basically asking his therapist whose name is Stutz he's asking him questions to get him to explain the kind of well he calls them the tools that he has kind of taught Jonah throughout the years that have helped him in his life because Jonah reckons that you know everyone should know these things because they've benefited him so much 
So he kind of wants to give him this space and this platform to share those tools with the world. And this guy, I think he's a pretty famous, like, well-known psychotherapist. I think, is he a psychotherapist? I don't really know the difference between everything. But yeah, he's got like a couple books. And that was actually what I was referring to when I said I actually got a book that I'm going to talk about this morning. So when I was browsing on my Kindle wish list, I noticed that Stutz's book called Tools, or called The Tools, was actually on sale for 99p. Probably would have been more beneficial if I read it prior to doing this podcast. But I have not yet read it, seeing as I literally downloaded it about half an hour ago. I mean, I assume it's just going to be going into more depth of the kind of ideas and tools that he talked about in the movie. So I will get on to it. But I thought it would be beneficial to kind of talk through what they spoke of in the documentary and maybe kind of relate it to real life situations. I don't know, am I even smart enough to do that? Who knows? (laughs) Basically, the whole time I was watching it, I was stopping and starting it manically, jotting down notes on my phone Because I was like, I just feel this is going to... I've heard a lot of good reviews. I've heard people talking about different things about this on TikTok. And I just think if I take down notes of what he's saying, I'll be more likely to retain all this information and also then to be able to share it. So I thought, what better way to share it than to talk about the things on a podcast? Now, I'm probably not adding anything to the mix. I'll just put that out there. (laughs) <laughs> I find this so funny. Like I was saying on last week's episode where I was like, Aoife, we are not adding anything substantial to this conversation. We're just chatting shit about it. Same situation yet again. Is that not probably the same with maybe every one of my episodes? Yes. Could you literally learn all of this stuff by just watching the movie on Netflix or by reading the guy's book? Yes. But am I still going to sit here and talk shit about it? Not talk shit about it as in talk badly about it, but just chat about it. Yes, I am. Okay, so Stutz's whole premise, as I said, is about tools. So tools are essentially methods that you can introduce into your life. He says there's something that can change your inner state in real time. And the tools take an experience that's normally unpleasant and they turn it into an opportunity. So he kind of sees every bad experience and anything negative that happens in your life as an opportunity to learn from it and to grow. I am a big believer in this. Like I am a very, I'm a very everything happens for a reason kind of person because I do always think there are lessons to be taken away from things. However, there are times where I do struggle to kind of take this perspective, if that makes sense. Like, for example, you know, kids suffering, parents losing children, children going through really difficult times. I don't know, maybe losing parents at a really young age. There are just things that I haven't been through where I really look at and I think I don't know if I was in that situation, would I be able to see a silver lining or see an opportunity from it? Do you know what I mean? I'm very blessed to be able to sit here and say that I've not had to experience anything like that. So I think it would be a little bit, what's the word? Not naive, but just maybe a little bit arrogant of me to sit here and say oh every negative thing that happens to you is a chance to grow and a chance to learn and a chance for opportunity it's like that's easy for you to say when you haven't like lost anyone close to you or gone through any terrible things however Stutz still stands by this even after losing his brother and like Jonah Hill talks about losing his brother in the documentary and how he was able to take that as an opportunity 
But when I was watching it, I was like, Jesus, I don't think I'd have the mental strength for that. But anyway, pretty much everything I will go on to speak about throughout this podcast will be a type of tool, as Stutz calls it. So he talks about what we would kind of describe as our energy and our, how would you describe it? He calls it our life force. And that is kind of who you are and your energy and everything that kind of makes you up as a person, right? And he represents it. Imagine a triangle or pyramid. The bottom line is the widest. So it's the most important. It's the base. Everything else comes after the base. And that is your relationship with your physical body. And you need that foundation to be solid to then be able to work on other things. Which is mad because we always think of physical health and, you know, your relationship with your physical body as being very much a, not a vanity thing, but yeah, I guess a way of looking good. I think in recent years, this is kind of changing though. Everyone's kind of, it's more, it's a lot more talked about the benefits of being physically healthy. It's not just about looking a certain way, it's about how that betters you and your mind and everything else that comes with it. The benefits that come with exercise for your mental health, the benefits of getting all the nutrition you need in your food, the benefits of having good gut health, you know, all these different things play such a vital role in your mental health and your relationship with your physical body. And that's why I always say, do not put your number one priority if you're trying to get into a good routine of working out and of appreciating your body and looking after it do not put your number one goal and priority to look a certain way or to lose a certain amount of pounds on the scale or to be able to fit into a certain size of dress literally scrap that idea completely get rid of it and start thinking about your relationship with your body and how you can like nurture it and feel healthy and feel good in yourself and whether that's just getting outside more and walking more or maybe it is cooking more homemade meals instead of getting takeaways and microwave meals maybe it's looking after your gut health a little bit more introducing some more fermented foods into your diet maybe it's just talking to yourself better not talking badly of yourself in the mirror starting to treat yourself with a bit of respect. Like there's so many different factors that play into this. And if you can switch the narrative and think about looking after yourself the best you can, nurturing your body to be in the best health so that you feel good when you wake up in the morning, as opposed to looking a certain way for other people and being able to wear a crop top. (laughs) You'll start to see it from a whole different way because you'll start to just like appreciate your body for what it allows you to do and then your relationship with your body will improve so much however this is one of those things that is kind of easier said than done when you are in a depressive state so Stutz says that you know if you master this relationship with your body this baseline this foundation that is 85% of the work done because you flip the whole narrative you know, you're you're no longer doing these things for other people and yo-yo dieting and making yourself ultimately feel like shit for the sake of appearing a certain way. You're getting down to the nitty gritty, healing your relationship 
with your physical body. But when you are in a depressive state, this is so easy to let it slide. And the two things are very, what's the word? Not codependent. What's the word? Oh, why am I forgetting all the words in the English language today? Maybe it is codependent. Like when one goes, the other goes. But then when the other one goes, so does the other one. Does that make sense? (laughs) So like if you become depressed, it's really easy to let your relationship slide with your physical body. You know, fall into bad habits, eat bad food, not get up and exercise because you don't have any motivation, all this. And it works the same way around. If you let all those things slip, then you can really easily slip into a depressive episode. So the two things are very balanced on each other. Maybe codependent is the right word. I don't know. If you want to correct me, please do. And this is why so often, like I know what's happened for me. You know, when you've just gone through times when you're really out of whack, you've no routine, your sleeping patterns fucked, your eating patterns are fucked, you're not working out consistently and you feel your mental health start to decline as a result of these things. And then you notice when you put in the effort to get these things back in order, your mental health improves. I'm not saying this is the case for everyone in every instance, by the way. I know there are so many times when there is more to it than this, but I am just saying, you know, there's been a lot of instances for me where that has definitely happened and I've seen a very correlating relationship. A a very, wait, what? (laughs) A very strong correlation between those two things. And then on the other side of that, I can think of times when I've started to, like my mental health has started to decline as a result of other things, like nothing to do with my habits, because say my habits were in check, you know, I was doing all of that stuff. But then there's been times something else has happened. And as a result of that, my mental health has started to decline. And as a result of my mental health starting to decline, I've fallen out of all those habits. Because when you're in that depressive head state, you don't want to do those things. So the two bounce off each other. And as difficult as it can be when you're in that headspace to be like, even though you know those things are going to benefit you, it's really, really difficult to make yourself do them because you don't want to do them. Sometimes you don't want to even want to get out of bed. You don't want to speak to anyone. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to see people. So to try and convince yourself in that mindset to do these things is very, very difficult, but it's not impossible. And you can constantly remind yourself that you will feel better for it, even if it's literally 15 minutes outside while the sun's out. 15 minutes slow paced walk can be somewhere where you know you're not going to bump into anyone if that's what you're scared of. Although that's what we're going to talk about in another second, like your relationships with people. Or there's little tricks that I'll do. You know, if I'm going through a bad time, say, okay, I'm back in Leeds. I know it's going to be meant to break down city on the day I get back. (laughs) I know I'm not going to fancy cooking and I know I'm going to get in bed and cry my eyes out the second I'm there. And in that moment, it's going to be really easy for me to let everything else slip with that. But I have little things that I try to do to make sure that I don't fully go back into a dark place. And this sounds stupid, but for example, the times when you don't want to get out of bed, you don't want to cook, 
you literally the thought of cooking preparing like vegetables and all anything nutritious you're like no fuck that all I want to do is order uber eats spend 20 quid getting a burger and chips but instead of waiting till that till I get to that point I'll pre-prepare go to the supermarket get some like healthy-ish not ready meals but you know like easy things like healthy fresh soups maybe some frozen vegetables pre-cut you know those bags of pre-cut veg that you throw into a stir fry with already pre-cooked noodles and you've got your stir fry sauce and everything and you know that tofu that's already pre-soaked in soy sauce things that will literally just make your life easier it's about finding these little kind of life hacks so that you don't slip into all these bad habits and look that's just one part of it that's just talking about not ordering takeaways like I know there's a lot more to it than that I know that's not gonna cure anyone's mental health by fucking going to Sainsbury's and getting some stir fry packs like catch yourself on no don't worry I know that I'm just trying to give you examples of how I would like prepare for not allowing myself to get into a slump like that also even like having a friend where you commit to either going to the gym with or going for walks with or if you're on a team or something just something that you're committed to going to exercise with other people or another person means you're a lot more likely to show up for that person instead of you know rolling over in bed and snoozing your alarm being like nope fuck that (laughs) so yeah according to stats he reckons that if you get that baseline of your relationship with your physical body That'll make you feel 85% better, which is crazy. It makes a lot of sense because, you know, isn't all your serotonin or like the majority of your serotonin and all your happy hormones are made in your gut? So if you're kind of looking after your physical health, that's going to contribute to that heavily. Okay, so above, so we're thinking we're back to our triangle, our life force pyramid. So the baseline is your relationship with your physical body. Then the one above that, so it's slightly thinner not as drastically important but still up there and that is your relationship with others. We as human beings thrive off of human connection and we have really cut ourselves off from human connection in a lot of ways. You know if you think back to how we probably survived when we were living in tribes and everyone had their role within the community you had an extended group of family and friends and you were connected to them all on a daily basis and now we just live our lives like in houses with the front door locked sometimes barely leaving it you know a lot of us work from home now do uni from home we have all these barriers to connection And we think we're really well connected, you know, like we're at a time in life where it is so easy to communicate with people from literally anywhere in the world in any time zone. People have literally never been able to do that before now. And as a result, we think we're the most connected we've ever been. You know, you always hear the world is so small. Social media makes the world so small. You've got all your family and friends on Facebook, your cousins that are from America on it anyone and everyone that you've met in your lifetime you're able to message at the click of a button and as a result you think you're so well connected and you know I'm posting on my Instagram story all the time everyone knows what I'm up to so in my head I'm well connected with everyone but that is not what connection is connection is forming real connections and bonds with people spending quality time with people where 
you actually get to know them. Not time spent with people where you're watching TV. Not time spent with people where you're both on your phones. Like that is not human connection. A book that really opened my eyes to this whole idea of human connection and how withdrawn we've become as humans was Lost Connections. I have spoken about it on my podcast before. I could not recommend that book enough. I need to go back and read that again. I think I read it sometime last year or the year before, but it honestly really just gets you thinking, oh my God, what are we doing? Like, how are we living our lives like this? Not that we're going to change that. (laughs) Like, we're not going to all turn around and be like, okay, we're all done with social media. We're all done with the internet. We need to go back out and live in tribes. That's not what I'm saying is going to happen. But what it did make me start to think is that, first of all, I need to put in more of an effort to have these connections with other people and to go out of my way to, you know, meet other people and be in those situations. Second of all, when I am with people, I need to be more present. Going on your phone is fine. Everyone is mildly addicted to their phone and the social media, but keep it for times when you're not with other people and allow yourself to actually be present and be able to properly communicate and connect with the people that you are face to face in front of. It is so easy to distance yourself, especially if you are not a really extroverted person. I am definitely somewhere, I've said this before, I'm definitely somewhere in between introverted and extroverted. I am 100% not a full extrovert because I have friends that are full extroverts and I don't know how they do it. They could literally spend constant time with people and never, their social battery will never get drained. They'll never be like, oh, I need to go home and be on my own for a while. Like this is too much for me. That thought will never cross their mind. They are happy to spend every living second with other people. And I am very much not like that. But what's good for really extroverted people is that they know that. They know they thrive off of being in the company of others. So they don't really have to work on that as such. They probably more have to work on their relationship with themselves, spending time on their own with their own thoughts, things like that. Whereas people that are maybe more in the in-between or they're more introverted have to really make an effort to just see people, (laughs) just go out and see their friends, meet other people, interact in social situations. When I am out, I am good at interacting with people. It's more getting myself to go out sometimes can be the issue. And I really have to remind myself that it will benefit me to spend time with other people when I've been on my own for a while. Like when I, I can really get in the habit of going the whole week, like Monday to Friday Well, I suppose it's kind of different when I'm at home in Belfast because my family is there, like my mum and dad and my brother and Beth are often here. So I will see other people like that. But like when I go back to Leeds, I can spend Monday to Friday literally not seeing anyone. (laughs) Well, I will still get up and out of my flat. Like I always leave the house there because I don't really like, I don't know, I will sit in my family house all day every day and have no problem with it. But I will never do that in my student house. I don't know why. Something's a bit weird about that to me. Maybe it's just a bit more depressing because you're kind of isolated to your room as opposed to your house. Yeah, I always get up and out. So it's not an issue of that. It's more meeting people. Like I'm always out. I'm always going to cafes, to the library, even into class at uni. But like, am I actually talking to people when I'm there? 
no <laughs> I'm definitely not and that's what I mean I can go literally Monday to Friday without speaking to people and it's kind of concerning and I always talk about wanting to live on my own I do really think I would thrive living on my own but then I also think of the other side of it and how I could actually become so isolated because I would really have tendencies to do that and especially with my work like I can just get really sucked into like oh no I'm filming this I'm filming that I'm editing this I'm editing that I'm reading today I'm planning for my podcast today I'm do you know what I mean it's just a lot of things where I can just sit in my house and literally not interact with a single other human being and that is partly why maybe I think I shouldn't live on my own but then I also think because when my sister first moved out on her own she was like no it's the best thing ever because you have to get yourself out like you have to make plans with people whereas when when she lived with people she was like I would just not make plans with people because I thought it was enough seeing people when I lived with them so that kind of made me think oh maybe it would be a good thing because it would like motivate you to make plans with people at the start of the week I don't know I think I've always had a bit of a fear of living with friends because I get scared that there would be a weird dynamic where they want to spend loads of time with me. Like say it's an extroverted friend and they literally want to be around you 24-7 and I'd be scared that I'd have to be like, leave me the fuck alone. (laughs) Like, please give me some breathing space. I'm terrified of that. But I will say like, you know, Aoife that was on the podcast last week, we have spoken about living together and I think she would be a really easy person to live together I feel like we're very similar where that's concerned we need our own space but also when we are together it's chill I don't know I think that could really work to be fair that's the only person I'd be like not scared of living with and that's kind of why I've always gone for living with strangers uh uni and in is it no it's not Emma who am I kidding I didn't have another option (laughs) I didn't know anyone (laughs) okay that was the biggest lie I've ever told where am I going with this oh yeah okay so the midline is <laughs> oh my god my brain today the midline is your relationship with others and you've probably noticed if you've ever got into a bit of a slump if you've ever been in a depressive or anxious headspace if your mental health has started to decline first of all your relationship with your physical body goes Next thing, you start to withdraw from others. You start to go out less often. You don't want as much social interaction. You maybe make excuses for not seeing your friends or you'll make ex- your friend will try and ring you and you'll just watch it ring out because you're like, I don't have it in me to speak to them right now. We've all done that before. And gradually you're just distancing and isolating yourself and it's only going to have more negative effects on you because then you're not getting that human connection that you need. The amount of times I've had to convince myself, Emma, get your shit together, go and meet this person. They're literally one of your best mates. Like, go and meet them. It's not as much of a drag as you're making it out to be in your head right now. And I will pull myself out of bed, force myself to go. I'll be dreading it. And then after, I'm like, that was the best night ever. I'm so glad I met them. What was I thinking? I literally feel a hundred times better than I felt earlier on today. And Stutz says, if you get into this slump and you find yourself isolating yourself, distancing yourself from friends, if you instigate even just going for a coffee with someone, that someone could be someone you don't even particularly like. It could be someone that actually kind of annoys you. 
maybe you're in a new city and you don't really know anyone and you've fallen into a bit of a bad headspace and you know this one person but that person kind of annoys the shit out of you and you don't really want to meet them but see if you instigate going to meet them for a drink for a coffee for a walk even if they're someone you don't necessarily like that will still make you feel better according to stats and I kind of agree with that I mean yeah you don't want to be meeting up every single day of your life with people that you don't like that's not really the point of this it's more when you feel yourself distancing and isolating yourself from people in that instance if you just instigate literally a half an hour walk with someone or coffee with someone you will feel better for it just send the text it can literally it could be somewhere that's round the corner from your house so it doesn't require a huge amount of effort and having those minutes of human interaction will benefit you so much there's been some days where I've you know had a really rough day in Leeds I've not spoken to anyone I've just been all in my own head. This is the thing when you don't talk to other people. It's all just building up in your own head. And then I will bump into someone I know, say maybe one of my flatmates, because we're all on different schedules. Like you don't actually always see your flatmates, you know? So maybe I'll bump into one of them and I end up chatting to them for like half an hour. And then I go back to my bedroom, carry on with my day. And I feel so much better from one interaction with my flatmate, getting things out of my head hearing what how their day was and what they want to rant about. Being able to be there for someone, have a laugh with someone, bond over something, maybe make plans for next week or for a day later in the week. I always feel so bad, you know, for old people that live on their own. Maybe their partner's died, their family don't live near them or they don't see them all the time. They've obviously retired and they don't... Oh, it literally breaks my heart thinking that they go days and days on end without seeing anyone. There is that charity, you know, it's called Age UK and you can sign up to it and go and like... You just go and chat to old people that are lonely and I think it's the cutest thing ever. Like just thinking of how much their day would be made by that one chat and it's so cute because you can always tell them so easily like anytime I've worked in hospitality or actually not even just where I've worked but do you ever get when you have random encounters in like supermarkets or cafes or literally just anywhere like at bus stops and stuff with random old people and you can tell they really needed that like they'll stop and talk to you literally about anything and after it you're just like oh my god, they just needed to talk to someone and I'm so glad that I was able to stand there and talk to them. It breaks my heart, it really does. Okay, so the last part of the triangle, the tip of the pyramid, is your relationship with yourself. So we covered your relationship with your physical body, your relationship with others, and now it's your relationship with yourself, as in within your own head, in your mind, sitting with your thoughts, being comfortable in yourself, Not with how you look, not with how you feel health-wise, physically, none of that. But your relationship with your own mind when you are in a silent room, when you're lying in bed at night with your own thoughts. Your inner monologue, how you talk to yourself. Now this definitely improves based on the two below it. You know, if you improve your relationship with your physical body and with others, by default, your relationship with yourself will improve. And I think things that really come into play for improving your relationship with yourself are things like therapy, meditation, 
allowing yourself to sit with your thoughts, not constantly drawing them out by constant media or, you know, constantly listening to podcasts, constantly listening to music, constantly watching TV or scrolling through TikTok if you literally have like one quiet moment, like actually allowing yourself to just sit with your thoughts and be present and listen to what they're telling you is so important sometimes. It gives you a lot of clarity. It gives you space to think, to solve problems within your own head that are happening in your life. It also gives you the space to come up with creative ideas. Like a lot of the time if I'm going through a creative block, I just need time where I'm not drowning out my own thoughts with other media. I need time to sit and think and allow my own creative thoughts to run wild in my head and not just be like, you know, pushed to the back of my mind because all I'm doing is consuming series after series and podcast after podcast and music after music. Like, as nice as it is to sing loud in the car and as nice as it is to listen to a motivational podcast on your walk, Sometimes you need to consciously think, no, I'm going to spend this time without anything. I actually saw someone the other day, I'm not going to be able to find where this was because I literally cannot remember for the life of me, but I did hear someone make a really good comparison of this, or like a metaphor of this the other day, and it was this. If you are just constantly never giving yourself time to process your thoughts. You're never giving yourself that space to sit down with your thoughts with no distractions to process them and to problem solve and to come to conclusions, all this stuff. If you don't give yourself that time, right, that is essentially like, think of your brain as your email inbox and you're constantly getting all these notifications building up and building up, not only in your inbox, but also in your junk mail. Like your notifications are sky high. They're going up in the hundreds, maybe even the thousands at this point. And if you don't take the time to go through them, to declutter, to unsubscribe, to delete the unrelevant ones, to reply to the relevant, necessary, important ones, if you don't give yourself that breathing space to do that, It's just going to keep building up and building up and your mind is going to be so cluttered like your inbox because you're never actually giving yourself time to process through any of them. And then the more and more cluttered it gets, the more you don't want to sit down and do it because it seems more intimidating and it just looks more stressful. It's giving you more anxiety just looking at that number going up and up. And that's all these thoughts coming into your brain, never actually getting processed because you're never giving them a second to think about, to decipher what to do with them, to think whether they're relevant, whether you need to examine them or whether you need to dismantle them or whether you need to learn from them. Like there's all these different ways of processing all these different thoughts. And if you're just not giving yourself the time to do that, you're just going to be one cluttered heap of anxiety that is avoiding ever spending any time in your own brain because you can't bear to think what's going to come up in that space. Stutz actually said in the documentary that the best way, the single best way, this is from him. I know I was talking about journaling recently, but he says the best way to improve your relationship with yourself is to just write. Write anything and write everything. As I said, journaling can be... People, I say journaling and I feel like people think in their head, dear diary, 
<laughs> I feel like boys here, people talk about journaling and they're just like, I'm not going to sit down and write Dear Diary. It's not about that. It is about getting your thoughts out on paper. Not even on paper. It can be in your phone notes. It can be in your laptop notes. It can let you be anywhere. It can be in bullet point form. It can be completely incoherent and not make sense if your thoughts are running that wild. Like, it doesn't matter. No one has to read this after you. But a lot of the time when you write, it clarifies a lot of the things you're thinking. And he actually said in the documentary that what will happen is things that will flow out of your brain, like onto the paper that you didn't even really know were in there and you start to process things way better. I also think because a lot of the time we're not really equipped very well on how to deal with emotions. You know, we're not really taught that from a young age. So because we don't have the best, like we're not that clued in with what certain things mean when we feel certain ways. And I know for me, like until I started actually writing these things out, I didn't know why I felt certain ways. I didn't know what that meant. And it's like, you know, when you're having conversations with people and you're, you maybe ask them, you know, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? And they're not even able to tell you because they don't know. And that's because they've never tried to process these emotions. They've never written down how they feel and why they felt that way and started to process these things. So it's like when someone asks you that and you don't even know how you feel, you're just, you just feel like overwhelmed. You don't know what's going on in your head. And how are you supposed to ever be able to communicate with someone else? in your life let alone with yourself if you actually don't know what you're thinking does that make sense we would all be such better communicators and we would all be so much more emotionally intelligent and understand our own thoughts feelings emotions everything if everyone just did a bit of writing and I'm not saying every day I'm not even saying every week I'm just saying when you feel a little bit overwhelmed you could definitely benefit from taking out your laptop and just typing out what comes to you, what comes out of your brain and trying to process that a little bit better and seeing it in front of you, written down. Stutz said that writing will mirror your unconscious, so things will come out of you that you weren't even kind of conscious of being in your head and that is what kind of makes you realise all these things, it makes you process things better because things are coming out onto the paper that you know you didn't even know were in there and basically this pyramid this life force pyramid made up of these three things Stutz says that it's about using this life force to create passion in your life now to be honest when I read over these notes I am not sure I elaborated on that enough because I don't know how to expand on that (laughs) I do agree that life is about finding passions. You know, I don't think it's all that you need to find this one big major passion and purpose. Not at all. I think we put too much pressure on ourselves to think that we have this one big meaningful purpose or passion in life. But it's about finding passion within lots of little things. You know, within your work, within your hobbies, within your relationships within your writing, within your reading, within your food. I don't know. Like it's all, life is all about having little passions in lots of different things that just make you feel alive. Now, how you incorporate your life force? Like, why is it about using your life force to create passion? I'm not so sure about that. I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) I was literally supposed to be talking through all of my notes 
on the Stutz movie. And here I am after covering one point on Life Force Pyramid for a straight R. So that's good. Well, I did talk about tools. Mm, did I talk about tools? No, I literally gave the definition of tools. That is not talking about it. So yeah, I'm really sorry if you were planning on hearing the full rundown of everything that Stutz had to teach because apparently I can only manage to get through one of those things within the space of an hour. Like what I just spoke about is probably one tenth, like 10% of the notes that I wrote about this. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll have to do another episode talking about it. Maybe I should read the book first and then I'll do a part two talking about Stutz's tools. I don't know. Sure, let me know if that's something you'd want to hear. I feel like this was quite good. I didn't know if I'd be able to elaborate on these things, but I was more than capable of it. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Big shout out to George Gill for my new intro and outro music. I will leave all his details in the podcast description. As always, thank you so much for all your love and support. If you enjoyed this week's episode, remember to give me a little five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm also trying to remember every week now to make sure I include a little poll and a Q&A. So literally all you have to do on Spotify is swipe up and you'll see there'll be a little section where you can leave a comment and you can vote on a poll for each episode. Don't forget to tag me in your Instagram stories of you guys out and about listening to the podcast. I love you all so much and I will speak to you in next week's episode. Bye.